Alve and CK Screening Room, a podcast centered around cinema, the industry, and the future. I'm your host, Cortland Kelly, and I have my lovely co-host, Kave Julinas, and a special guest, yet again, Kayvon Julinas. Welcome, you I guys. I think it's not special anymore. He's, he could just be a guest now. He's yeah, no, I kind of got that vibe from the yet again. It's like, it's like <laughs> damn, he's back. I'm not mad, so... Well, you didn't sound happy. Oh, I couldn't stop laughing to do the intro, and now I'm mad all of a sudden. I can't win, you guys. Well, you know what does win? Just both seem like you probably. Okay, I'm trying to transition this, guys. We're here today to talk about film festivals. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We're not going to beat around the bush because it's been a busy month. It's Cortland and I talked about how we watch movies last time, which I think reflects the August slate. And then we ended up seeing like 30 plus movies um, each. So now we're back to discuss the things that we've seen, some of the fall's most promising features, some really glaring disappointments, which I think, Kayvon, this is your most popular letterbox review now, is for the movie you like the least. At the I think it is. I think it is. You have a popular review? Yeah. I would say within the context what? of... Of the I'm like amount of, of I'm people, I'm kind of a letterbox micro influencer. Uh huh. You get to ask just kidding because that would be really not cool. Anyway, the festivals that we're here to talk about are the Venice International Film Festival, the Telluride Film Festival, and the Toronto International Film Festival. This is a spiritual follow up to Cortland and I's, I would say, infamous 106 minute episode about Venice and Telluride from last year. We're back. Um, we have comparisons. We have general vibes of the festival. These are festivals that have been taking place in strikes, and I think it's impacted all three of the festivals in different ways. Let's start by talking about a couple of unrelated things. Cortland, you saw Bottoms. <laughs> I just saw Bottoms. Finally, what? I'm a month late. Um, We're I- right on time for those who want to catch it on VOD. Yeah. and <laughs> through Disclaimer, she did not. <laughs> I, I went I went in theaters, spent as much money as I would if I bought it on VOD. And yeah, it's funny because I think last episode I said this was the movie I was most excited for in August. Like it was, and then I just took forever to see it. Um, but yeah, I liked it. You know, be gay, do crime. Can't be mad at that. So yeah. That's true. I'm, I'm glad to see like, clips from it making the rounds on twitter now yeah same here and i'm glad i'm seeing it after the movie's been out not before barbie so were there barbie memes circulating all of barbie was on twitter before i've seen a really? lot of like the videos of like the extra content from the imax screenings and they are equally as unfunny as the original movie just so crazy. Like, how is that already just on the internet? This know. is a I'll tell good you how. People go to see it in IMAX. They bring their phones with them. When something new comes on screen, they start filming it. And then they go yeah, home. You should work for the FBI. And they open Twitter. And then they go to tweet. And then they add their media, post it. It makes its rounds and somehow ends up in front of my eyes. Okay, I'm going to transition this. Um, because first off, I don't know if there's that much to add to that. Yeah. And secondly, um, there is a Barbie IMAX release. I did want to quickly mention as just other stuff that's come out. 
this did play at TIFF and it's kind of a big deal for, I mean, everyone at the 1015 showing I went to last night, but Stop Making Sense, the Talking Heads concert movie has been re-released in IMAX screens and seems to be doing really well. Um, I was not in one of the theaters where everyone was dancing on the aisles. That has me worried about the Taylor Swift tour because I think it will be just magnified and even worse. Um, More importantly, Taylor Swift being at the Chiefs game today. Yeah, that was so crazy. That's a, a win for the Chiefs. Is it? Cortland, are you going to go see the Eras tour? The movie? Yeah. I'll see it on my couch. The concert experience. I don't, I don't know if she's going to release it on oh. VOD. You might have to go with the Swifties. Are you going to see it? No. Yeah, I, I think it'll be a good pod discussion point. <laughs> I'm also curious to see like... Not the pod giving me on. awful homework. Okay. Um, you made me watch The Little Mermaid for the pod and then proceeded to not watch it. So I still haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Stop Making Sense is like being booked at 11 a.m. or 10 p.m. because Barbie is taking the screens. But I don't think that many people are seeing Barbie. It comes out this Friday in regular theaters. So I would encourage everyone who hasn't seen it before to see it. It is it is really good. Corinne, do you know do you know what this is about? What this movie's about? No. I feel like you have to like the talking heads to like the movie. I don't know, because it's kind of just vibes. I've never heard of the talking heads before, so. Oh my god. Girl, crack a book open. I have a master's degree. You don't know like enough books open. That makes it more embarrassing that you don't wrong know. Books. Wrong books. Wrong books. <laughs> no. I, I would argue that the song Once in a Lifetime is more important than a master's degree. Once so. in a lifetime. Can you say yeah, have it? You not even, have you not even seen 20th Century Women? I've seen 20th Century Women. They're in, they have a song in it. Like, I'm supposed to know that. All right. Um, Are you well, some of us were very struck when we heard the song. We were like, what song is this? And then looked the up the like soundtrack. gets bullied for liking them. Oh, really? Well, I need to rewatch that. Guys, remember Come On, Come On? It. That was a good movie. That was okay. Mike okay. knows we love you. Yeah. I like, I like Come On, Come On. 66% of us on this podcast love Mike Mills. Um, okay, that's out. And then let's talk about the last thing, which, Kayvon, you did see at Venice. Cortland and I caught up on Netflix. It is Pablo Lorraine's El Conde, which is a story about Pinochet, the Chilean dictator, but he is a vampire. Let's spoil <laughs> this a little bit, so just skip five minutes ahead if you haven't haven't seen this um, i'm so curious how many people who listen to this out of all the people who do are actually going to watch el conde well that's because the thing it's kind of there weird was to... like minimal marketing yeah. obviously yeah and just flew under the radar it's also like i was telling Kayvon, this is the second time they've done this where they premiere something at venice and release it on netflix like a week later same with then... ride really and yeah they no did it last year it. with like the Wonder and Lady Chatterley's Lover, and so both of those were released onto Netflix shortly after their premieres at either Venice or Indoor Telluride. Um, yeah, I would say like this is. Much Did you like Alconda? Be honest, yeah, I yeah. I didn't. I didn't think it was bad. I've never seen anything like it. So that's true. I mean, for those who haven't seen the movie, or for those who just are not probably going to watch the movie and want to know how it ends. Kayvon, let me just preface this by when I started watching it, Kayvon was 
in my apartment sitting also watching it because and i like the opening like monologue thing part mm-hmm. i thought it was fun and he when an elderly british woman was narrating i first thought it was dubbed and had to ask him hey why is this in english it's called el conde it's in spanish it's about chile and he said you will not expect who the woman is i assumed he meant the actress so i was like oh it's probably like helen mirren or judy dench no it turns out the character narrating the story is margaret thatcher as a vampire (laughs) (laughs) and it turns out it's like his mom mom. and also lover (laughs) his like mother lover and it's got got a weird mommy complex it's so weird and yeah okay so wait remember i texted you saying is like the version i'm watching is dubbed like it was not working and it was all it was all in english and so then i like switched it switched it to spanish so then it was normal again but yeah i was like what is going on here so that was like nothing can prepare you for that like no it's just so odd the way she flies in too is so funny like the flying sequences in general are so are hilarious <laughs> i know they're kind of cool though <laughs> I, I mean this is not the first time we'll talk about vampires in this episode um came and i saw a movie about vampires. it was kind of the venice of black and white movies and we saw two movies, movies for Kayvon. oh yeah we did yeah we did and oh, it's on your oh. list so it is on my <laughs> list I well, think El Conde would have been better if it was an unofficial Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter sequel. Came out, I Abraham, just saw someone mention that in their letter, Oxford Review. That's crazy. Abraham Lincoln was trying to kill Pinochet. Oh. Oh. Wouldn't well, that be fun? Yeah, there's centuries of, or I don't know centuries, yeah. but there's at least decades of. What are you, discordance. stupid? Vampires don't die unless they're killed. Um, well, what if one accidentally walks into the sun? I guess Abraham Lincoln was not a vampire, though. I don't he was think hunting this is something, like, applicable outside of, like, they don't die. Yeah, they do. Not in Twilight. Well, they don't die using... unless they're killed. No, if they die if they go in the sun, they're, like, burnt. They don't die in the sun, they sparkle in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> according to, according <laughs> to Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> That could have been the funniest ending El if he walked into the sun and sparkled. Just like the um, whole Cullen, Cullen family was sitting out there. <laughs> it could put their right. games out there. Let's anyway. actually talk about the festivals now. So, as we discussed at the beginning of this episode, we've been busy. We've been globetrotting. Less carbon emissions than Taylor Swift, thankfully. Um, less carbon emissions than Taylor Swift in like a day. I would respectfully say. Yeah. I mean, for her to get to that Chiefs game, you know, where was she coming from? She probably like flew the plane to Europe in the meantime while she was at the Chiefs game just to give the pilot something to do. I don't know. Do a lap. We'll be done in a couple hours. (laughs) Leave the plane running. (laughs) Well, apparently that's what Drake does. He like can't land in Toronto. So he makes them fly his plane to Hamilton, which is like a 12 minute flight. Why can't he... Landing spots are expensive. I don't know if we have time to get into the bureaucracy of mind plane you, landings. Mind you, his plane is not like a G5. It's literally like a Boeing 747. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's not like some dinky little yeah. private jet. <laughs> uh, Isn't it called Air Drake? Oh, obviously. 
All right. <laughs> come up with something better than Eric Drake anyway. So let's start with Venice and Telluride because, as mentioned, Cortland and I were there last year. Cortland, you're back in Telluride. How did it feel to be in the mountains again? It felt great. I didn't, it was like the same exact feeling as last year that like magical passion vibe of like cinema lovers, except this year the people were a little cranky. And I want to say it's because they added a, a fifth day to the weekend. And that like. Wait, so did you have to take PTO to attend this? Because was it on. What yeah. was the fifth day? Monday or Tuesday? Thursday. Oh. Mm-hmm. The fifth day so, was actually a first day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they like pushed it earlier. Um, I don't know how to explain the PTO thing, but. But like basically it's longer than the Labor Day weekend now. Yes. Okay. So flew in Thursday, you know. Go Is it like it. movies start at eight a.m. Thursday? Movies start Thursday. No, night. no. So Thursday's like the opening opening night. They do their little picnic, and then they have like a couple early. So they did like Occupied City as like the first screening of the okay. festival, but that was at like I don't know one o'clock. So obviously a lot of people aren't in town yet for that. And then actual screenings. I think I saw my first film at five thirty. So. Okay. Right yeah. about when Occupied City would have ended. Since it turns out that movie's four and a half hours, not three and a half, as I previously suspected. Yes. Yeah, it's four and a half hours. A lot of people left in the middle of like in the middle of it because okay. um, it's broken I, up. Yeah, in New York, they, they said they were doing intermissions. Yeah. So yeah, I caught two movies my first night, and then it was like three days in a row, five movies, and then I think like three on the last day or something okay. like that. How was the experience getting there? Was it the same as last year? Yeah, luckily, like, everything was easy peasy. You know, I think the funniest thing is when you you fly into a regional airport and you just, like, get off on the runway. Of, like, you get off the plane on the runway and then, like, walk to the one-gate airport. And, yeah, you're on your merry way. I realized or I was informed that, like, Ralph Lauren's ranch is, like, on the way to Telluride his like 14,000 acre cattle ranch. So that was cool to see. They talked about a number of like other celebrities about like all their, all these homes they're building out there. And I, I just think that that's like, it's, I don't know when I go there, I'm not like, Oh my God, these, like, you know, celebrities are going to be there for the festival, but in the sense of like other non-film related celebrities, it doesn't really cross my mind. And they don't really – my world does never – I don't ever think it would intersect with theirs. And like, this is the closest I'll get to doing that as many others that visit Telluride. So it was yeah. chill. I think it was very – for it being the 50th anniversary of the festival, I thought they would oversell the passes. And I'm glad they, they didn't do anything like that. Um, so that was reassuring. Okay. Kayvon? This is your first time in Venice. I'm going to like let you take the reins on the Venice stuff um, because this is your first time in the city in general, the sinking city. Um, magical place. Love you, Venice. What was the festival like for you? Um, it was fun. It took me like two weeks to recover. My, my two weeks of vacation quickly turned into not a vacation there given that I was, like, just rocking my school schedule. 
Um, but it was it was worth it, honestly. Like getting up really early in the morning to go get a coffee, and then getting on a boat to go to a separate island was a fun experience. Um, I feel like we got lucky. Like there wasn't really that much. We didn't have to like fight our way onto the boat as often as I thought we were going to. Yeah, I was I was surprised by that as well. It's Which I'm thankful experience. for because you're yeah. like a really active public transporter and I'm like very passive. Like I don't like to like run to catch things and like push well, one people. One thing about me away. is I'm gonna be, I'm gonna get on the boat if it's at the dock. Yeah, and, and that the was a moment of tension. You is you're gonna you're gonna do it with or without me. So I don't know what you want to say. Late nights and early mornings, and I'm just adapting. This is okay. This is fun. Um, we have more time in Venice, in the city of Venice, which is good. You saw everything. Um, Cortland got to Davy the Italian. Well, like a hard launch of the Italian. Oh. Very fun. Very nice. Everyone in Venice, lovely people. Um, Amazing. Just cool vibes. I, Kayvon did something that I, even I have never done, which is see seven movies in one day at a festival. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah, five mm-hmm. of them were in the same theater, so he just walked out and then turned and walked right back in. Yeah, it was definitely wow. a little bit of a physically tolling day. I don't think I made it through the last like, movie. And full movies. Like not the like last I one was Agro Drift. The last one was Agro Drift. It was like yeah. a really bad double punch of two horrible movies to round off the day. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, I don't. I think the most I've ever done in a day at the festival of. Casa de Cortland is like <laughs> <laughs> so geez seven seven is really that's a lot well the thing is and I think that we discovered this like more so than I did last year because I was just familiar with it but you can use your cinema pass like the one that you get as a student to get into press screenings if the day before at 7 a.m there's still seats and there, I think I they might. I don't know if Telluride does. Does Telluride even have press screenings? Do you know? No, um, they do screenings for like volunteers, I believe. Okay. Um, and maybe like this, they have like a student symposium that maybe gets a couple extra screenings. But that's the whole thing about Telluride is they don't do like any press screenings. You don't get press accreditation. Am I saying mm-hmm. that correctly? Yeah. Um, you don't get like any of that. So Okay. So I guess the only thing I can compare it to is Cannes, but Cannes is still like within the industry. But like mm-hmm. Venice is the only festival, public festival that I'm aware of that and I, I 100% wrong, but that has like 10:30 p.m. press screenings. Oh. Which obviously A, a lot of people won't sign up for, and B, people will leave. So like one person left like six minutes in. I was like, why did you come in to sit down and like see the opening credits of a movie? Obviously, this has its ups and downs. I witnessed Kayvon fall asleep within 15 minutes of one movie and wake up <laughs> for the last five minutes. <laughs> what movie? Uh, this, William Friedkin's final movie, The Kane um, Mutiny Court Martial, which is a good movie. I stayed awake. Um, also, yeah, like, I'm the sad seats are because so I, comfortable. I was tapped in for the first, for the first 15 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's some shit going down here. I hope I stay up. And then I proceeded to not stay up. There was, yeah, he missed the whole court martial, but. Yeah. Kave, did you fall asleep during any, like, of your Venice or, or Toronto screenings? I did not. 
I think how? I feel like the Toronto ones were at like fucking ridiculous times. Okay, I'm gonna transition that into Toronto. I don't know if they're ridiculous times. So for those who don't know anything about my life, which like all the better. This is my first time in Toronto since 2019. Um, Cortland, why are you giving me that look? 80% of the people that <laughs> listen to this are related to you. I know, I know, and I love all of you. Um, <laughs> anyway, it was my first time going back to Toronto in four years after COVID. Um, I guess I did catch a couple online during that edition, but I would say the festival is back, if not smaller. I think... Courtney, it's funny you mentioned the overselling because, or the underselling of passes or just the normal selling because I felt like Toronto was... And this is just something I've seen with all the festivals this year is there's so much hype around everything that so much sold out, which was not the case in 2019. In 2019, like things like Parasite, which only had two showings, or The Lighthouse, which I think was the other thing that only had two showings. Obviously, those sold out really quickly. But for the most part, you could pretty much get into anything. Whereas like, an obscure Italian movie that I saw at like 2.30 p.m. was sold out, which like usually it just doesn't happen like that. Maybe that changed because of COVID. Um, they also really centralized everything. So it's all now on one street and things start later. Things used to start at 8 a.m. like Venice and now they start at 12. That being said, um, Midnight Madness. So this is the first time going to like an 11.59 p.m. showing, which have you ever been to one of those? At uh, Music Box. Insane Shocker. vibes. Literally insane vibes. Really they, fun, though. Yeah, I went to Spring Breakers. <laughs> um, it was a midnight screening. You went and, to Spring Breakers at midnight? <laughs> yeah. Why? Oh, that is hell. <laughs> my, my best friend wanted to go. And I was like, okay. Can you imagine I'm hearing looking, Skrillex like, at 1 a.m.? <laughs> I love you, like, dozed off a little bit. Spring break. Like, I just, it was really putting me to sleep. It was putting me to sleep. But, um, I mean, yeah. And then what? Remember back in the day, like, Twilight and, like, Hunger Games and everything had had their midnight screenings. And, and that back was always. They, they actually had, like, true midnight screenings. Yeah. Guys, yeah. things start at, like, 2 p.m. now. I'm like, how? Literally. How is this not just the day? Right? I'm like... Speaking of Cortland, Killers of the Flower Moon tickets drop tomorrow. I so, know. last Monday, for those <laughs> am, listening to this. I'm very excited. But I have to say, that starts at 2 p.m. too, but I low-key get that, because it's three and a half hours. Um, I know. I'm ready. It, I'm it low-key, the only thing over. scaring me is Occupied City. Like, I've done two four-hour docs in the past week, and it's been fine. But something about four and a half scares me a little bit something about the intermission i'm like they know this is like toiling oh wait quick question you guys you both read the book for like killers of the fire moon do you think i can finish that like by the time it comes out i read it in two days and i'm like borderline illiterate so (laughs) okay it's yeah it is an easy read his also for those listening in the line at tiff i read his new book which is called the wager it is the next Martin Scorsese movie with Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio. I think scheduled for 2025, and that book is a banger. Um, so, Cortland, if you're going to the bookstore, buy them both. Okay, I did go to the bookstore. Bookstore did not have them. The bookstore by me is actually, like, low-key going to get cut off because they are – By you or, like, 
by all consumers? Like, is it shutting down? By me. Oh. You just like. Oh, I'm sure they're crying and throwing like, up. Or like, you know, like all the people go in to like take like their bookstore photo. And it's cool. Like I love re- reuse books and whatever, but they never have the book that I need, like ever. And Isn't I'm that like, the point of a used bookstore is like you never know what you're going to get though? Yeah, but you can't have one copy of like any book that I – like there's, you know, at least 20 books on my two reads. Well, I'm going to be honest. I I went to a used bookstore in Toronto. I was trying to find one of his other books, mm-hmm. which is The Lost City of Z. Banger. Loki, that genre of like people going into the Amazon is like so so entertaining. Um, it's but, like a ton of white people dying. Yeah, I just got a book about Theodore <laughs> Roosevelt. Do you know he went into the Amazon too? Apparently like he was really down bad. Who? Theodore Roosevelt. The, the president, president of the United States? Yeah. Teddy? What was Teddy? he doing? I didn't know you were on nickname basis, but yeah. As seen in Night at the Museum. <laughs> As played by Robin Williams. Um, Wait, what's the, the way? Guy, the, guy did told, the guy did tell me that like Killers is so popular right now that like there were none yeah. in stock. And that bookstore is like five floors. Um, the Wager is about ships in colonial England and one goes to the Cape Horn and obviously gets like destroyed. They end up on an abandoned island. Soldiers, after like two years or something, like an absurd amount of time, they like hold a like in quotes mutiny because they didn't decide if it was actually a mutiny or not sail are like so disheveled when they land in brazil and then they get back to england they become famous and then i don't know how long later but another boat comes and it's the captain who are like these people are mutineers um it's really good also like david grant is a very good author Um, you did not do a good job selling that uh, I don't know. Imagine a ship shows up and it's like these famous people mutinied. Imagine like someone. I, I actually don't have a modern day comparison for that. If you guys do, I was gonna say when was it? When was the last time a ship showed up with famous people? Um. Well, Kayvon, in 1683, I don't think they had alternate modes. Of, they didn't have Air Drake to take them places. So that's what you think. Air Drake is time. I thought you were about to say airdrop. <laughs> and I was like, dang, like, can we transfer ourselves from airdrop? Uh, what? Anyway. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they were airdropping each other. Like, like the Apple thing or just dropping each other. Anyways, the- <laughs> the let's thing. get into the movies we saw. Yes. How many movies did you end up seeing? 22. Okay. Kayvon, I think we saw 20. No, you saw 21. I saw 20. And then I caught 22 at TIFF. Yeah. So in total, that's 65 movies. Is that math correct? Yeah. Wow. It is, right? Yeah. That's 65 new movies. Are you um, impressed a lot with of them world premieres. I am, because that was really that was really quick. Um a lot of these were world premieres. Cortland, I think you caught the most hyped movies out of the I had a list. lot of world premieres. I feel very but like big world premieres too. Yeah, yeah, you were cooking. Yeah. Um probably most notable would be like Saltburn and All of Us Strangers. All of Us Strangers are like the biggest name like or biggest titles that I got to see and then otherwise I know a lot of the movies, I honestly think, like, they didn't have posters when I saw them. 
So for example, like Tuesday and I, I want to say maybe like they shot the piano player. But like they didn't have movie posters yet. And I'm like, dang, like, I don't know if they were like just cranking these out for us to be able to see them or if they were like actually ready to be released. But in my a opinion, lot of the smaller stuff builds from their festival premiere. So like yeah. all of the strangers, for example, that trailer dropped, I think yes, a couple days ago. Ahead yeah, of the New York okay. premiere. Which is um, and even the Soulburn trailer came out when it premiered at Telluride. Yeah. And I think it's so fun like seeing the movie in full and then seeing the trailer and and you know how do those two compare to one another and is it accurately portraying the story that's like being told. Um after seeing the Saltburn trailer, it honestly the movie went in an entirely different direction than one was led to believe in the trailer. It's a little bit darker, definitely weirder. Um, and not necessarily in a bad way, just, um, I think the way, like, kind of like with what she did in Promising Young Woman of like pushing that boundary and just kind of, um, I don't know. That doesn't bode well. <laughs> yeah. Like pushing that boundary. I will also say there was a post like screening Q and A with director Emerald Fennell and some other British woman. And like the British woman that was moderating the Q and A, was is like funnel or Fennel? Is it Fennel? I thought it's Fennel. That's what it's they a said. Name. What is it? I, don't, I have I no don't idea. I assumed Fennel. I've never even considered watching any sort of media that would ever pronounce her name. She was also in Barbie, so she's in Barbie. Yeah. Yeah, she's Oscar winning. That. Yes. I, so okay, wait. so this premiered to like wait, mixed wait, wait, reviews, wait, 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 I think, wait. though. The British, who was moderating the Q&A, starts the Q&A <laughs> off with... <laughs> she starts the Q&A with, us Brits have a dark humor, you know? And I'm just like, okay, like, colonialism. But, like, at the same time, it's... That's like... You that's, that's what she meant? Yeah, where else does the dark humor reside? I don't know. Did you ever consider that she was just a moron? No. The point is, no, it's all this is all to the point of like what the, the humor of the movie is and why it doesn't land well for some people. Are you the some people? No. Okay, so you it landed for you. Some of it, yeah, for sure. As a whole, this did is- it land for you? This is why we can't be accredited to cover festivals and talk about them. Oh. We can't talk about the damn movies. I have no idea if she liked it's it or so not. It's been so long since I've seen it. I've seen like a hundred movies since then. Really? Uh, yeah. One hundred. Probably. Okay, we're going to move on. So, so Saltburn premiered at this year's Telluride. Um, as did some of the other films that Courtney is going to mention. Kayvon, I bring what? this up. Because I think the biggest things that we saw you weren't actually huge fans of. I would say Ferrari and Maestro are the two biggest movies we saw. You're notably not in the Maestro camp. If you want to explain your opinions on that so that we talk about it. That is a... I would say what I'm assuming Netflix is most confident about. Comes out November in theaters and December on the service. Yeah, I wasn't messing with it, honestly. I w- in my defense, I wasn't that excited going into it. My expectations were low. So I guess that's not in my defense because they could have done anything and I would have enjoyed it. But they didn't really. 
I was expecting <laughs> Carrie uh, uh, Mulligan. That's her name, right? Yes. I was expecting her to give a master class. She did. There was never a doubt in my mind. It's she's a really good performance. Really good in she's, she's in Saltburn. She's kind of just amazing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, there's kind of just something about like Bradley Cooper directed movies that makes me want to vomit a little. How was the nose? Was that bothersome at all? I didn't really no, think I, about the nose. I don't think I would have thought about the nose unless Twitter had. And it's like, also damn, he kind of looks like me. It's also interesting that that trailer came out so far in advance of the premiere too, for the entire discourse to happen, and then like there were still three weeks left until the premiere. Yeah. Um, I just to talk about Tiff a little bit it was not like a profoundly world premiere lineup this year I think Telluride and Venice and I would say they got the world premieres and New York has kind of just like took everything that came from those festivals at least the bigger things mm-hmm. I would say the biggest thing at that festival was the boy and the heron which I did not see um, because it was very hard to get tickets to I've heard of like a wide variety of opinions on this movie. Um, really? I have a friend who's seen it uh, and saw it in Japan when it came out and said, and he's like a huge Miyazaki fan and was like, this movie makes no sense. Oh. And I've heard that from multiple people. I've also heard people be like, this is the best possible movie anyone can make as their swan song. Even though I don't think it's his final movie anymore. Well, he's he back. He's back. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that was the biggest that movie. One, Earwig. That one was Earwig and the Witch. That was his son, who I don't yeah, he does not support exactly. his son as a filmmaker from yeah. the videos I've seen. I a movie about that one day. That's true. It, it was a big a it was a big premiere though. There were like I think eight showings. It did not win the People's Choice Award, which we can get to. I guess now, because Venice well, has that. We'll talk about Venice's prize winner in a little bit. Yeah. People's Choice Award was this movie called American Fiction, which world premiered at TIFF. That's really good. I've heard it's really good. I did not see it. Okay. It was apparently it's very funny and it was like really, really warmly received. And it did not have as many showtimes as The Boy in the Harem. And usually, if a movie has a lot of showtimes, it has a better chance of winning. Um, Last year, The Fablemans won. Um, It's just the way the cookie crumbles. I think. One more thing I want to mention before we get into our actual rankings and what the people care about is that Next Goal Wins, the Taika Waititi movie premiered, which I would say is one of their like, more upper-level world premieres, and that movie was not received well at all. Like I've, I've not heard a single good thing about it. I think a lot of movies that premiered did not premiere too. And this was the case, I think, at all the festivals. like A lot of acclaim, at least from what I was seeing, it seemed like more things were mixed i don't know Cortland. did you get this vibe from telluride yeah i i'd agree because most people especially with like Saltburn and all of us strangers um some people loved it and then zone of interest um most people like loved it but then there's a couple of people where they were like more so critical of of those films and i also felt that we had a lot of like biopic leaning type movies that everyone mm. pretty much liked so you guys got the weird netflix movies like the like i i there's not like i wouldn't say there's tears but like it's weird that venice got like such grand movies 
And then like the rest of the fall slates were just like regulated between Tiff and Telluride. And I don't think that's happened in years past. Where like David Fincher, Bradley Cooper, like their big name movies show up at that festival and then travel to New York and bypass the other two. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like at least last year it was pretty well distributed among the yeah. three festivals. Yeah, I would say last year we also had like a lot of crossover because you would see something and then it would be on its way to me. And I know, was, year, that was such fun. There was anything like that. I'm also really shocked to not have seen Killers of the Flower Moon like at um, – Apparently they tried. Every fall film festival cool. tried and they said they just wanted the can showing and then they're doing one at London as well. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it was also a single showing at Cannes. So it wasn't even like it like played for the masses there. Um yeah. it's pretty much a one and done deal, which is an interesting strategy. Let's get into the movies we did see. Let's start. Do you want to start with the dislikes just to get them out of the way? Yeah. And then we'll get into our top five and oscillate between the three of us. Kayvon, what's up? I want you to start with your dislike because I feel I've seen most people like it. Really? Okay, interesting. My dislike um, is a film called Boy Kills World, which I think made the rounds on social media because it features an absolutely jacked Bill Skarsgård. This movie is really bad. Like, I, I, even the letterbox curve right now, I was surprised that it's, like, leaning that high. It's, like, Ryan Reynolds' humor, but unfunny, which is crazy, because I already find Ryan Reynolds' humor pretty unfunny. So, to top say, that. Sentence was a little repetitive. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, and part of this is seeing it at midnight, which I'm glad I went to that showing and not, like, the 6.30 p.m. one the next day. But, like, when you're in an audience and, like, the jokes are so bad and barely hitting, the thing about the TIFF audience is, like, they'll be so loud at that time that it will always feel like it's hitting. But you could just tell that people weren't really finding it funny. Yeah, The humor is, like, really forced. And I, I don't know. I found it to be very boring. I thought the sequences weren't really creative. And it's things that you've seen in other movies. There was, like, a scene with a cheese grater that the moderator before the movie started was, like, you guys are going to be like blown away by this and i was like respectfully i've seen tenet five times like if we want cheese grater action we're obviously watching tenet <laughs> um i just i don't know i didn't it like it it all comes back to tenet it literally all comes back to tenet Kevin and i rewatched tenet that is literally the point two yeah. weeks ago and I it was saw because i was like wasn't there ago. and i wasn't included Cortland, we invented something called tenet beers which is exactly how it sounds it's just drinking beers and watching tenet and it's just beautiful. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, how many beers do you get through? It's pretty long. Well, so we watched half of it one day. You yeah. watched some parts? We did because Kayvon had to go. I because had he had go. things to do. I gotta go. Yeah. So and then we watched the second that half. Impression is dead on. <laughs> Shoot. All right, Kayvon, what were your dislikes? You have you have one, and then I put a second one because we should talk about it in the pod. Oh, but, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. My dislike was obviously Roman Polanski's The Palace. Um, the dislike is multifaceted. Obviously, he sucks. <laughs> but it, yeah. it, definitely, it definitely helps my argument that the movie is the most horrendous piece of horse shit I might have ever seen in my entire life. This is the fun thing is people were like, 
everyone's hating on this movie because Roman Polanski sucks. I was like, both of those things can be true at the same time. Like this movie is just genuinely like if you've seen this movie, you would know how bad it is. Like speaking of painful laughs, being in that theater was oh, painful. Like painful. It was just a physically toiling experience. Yeah, the guy in front of me was like chortling the entire time. I just wanted to like punch him in the back of the head. It was like literally this movie has not made me crack a smile once. Like everything, everything about it is so obnoxious to the point where it's like, I wish this movie did not exist. And I wish, I'm not going to say it because I don't want to have to do more editing. <laughs> I, But Roman Polanski, you should be in jail. If not for the numerous heinous crimes you committed, then definitely for making this movie. Cortland, it's like if Triangle of Sadness, a movie that I'm not a fan of, was like the worst movie you've ever seen, is like the only way I could think of describing this. Okay. I mean, yeah, because that movie is not great. So we definitely. That movie is like, I would understand why it won the Palm d'Or if this was the direct competition. Because like that movie seems like a masterpiece compared to this. See, that movie has redeeming qualities, if not a lot of them, but some. And this one just has nothing. Yeah. Like, it is so unserious. It it literally seems like it was, like, a Hallmark movie. Yeah, that's, not, that's a good way of putting it. The other movie we saw, which... Um, I don't know if this played at Telluride. It's playing at Toronto and New York. It's called Agrodrift. You're fa- I, I don't know if you're a fan of Spring Breakers, but the director of Spring Breakers, Harmony Korn's new movie, shot an infrared cave on Did You Fall Asleep? I was out real quick. <laughs> Travis Scott's in this movie. Um, Surprisingly, not the worst part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I. Is there even that much to say about this? I. If you like Harmony Corn, maybe you'll like it. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I think that has anything to do with it. If you want to watch an hour and 10 minute or whatever the hell it is, movie shot entirely in infrared then you'll like it. For, but for the 99.9% of people that don't want to do that, it's just going to hurt your head. I'm shocked I fell asleep during that because it was just like bright and in your face the entire time. Yeah, but it was boring. It was and super just, like, boring. I had no idea what was going on, but like not in a good way where I like didn't want to be challenged by the movie. It's like, how can you make a boring movie? Like it doesn't have to be good, but how is it boring about like a hitman in the midst of like the Miami triangles, like Like fighting the devil. (laughs) Right. Like how, how is that boring? (laughs) Yeah. So not a fan of either of those movies. Um, I think like, well, well, Kevin saw one Italian movie that he really didn't like, but I would say everything was like a step above that. Um, Cortland, this is a controversial dislike and we've talked about this. We're going to talk about this in next month's episode as well. Yeah. Uh, My dislikes. I'll start with the first movie I saw at the festival uh, called Tuesday, which is starring Julie. Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Julia what? Louis-Dreyfus. Julia. JLD. Everyone everyone would say her name so fast at the festival. (laughs) And so I was just like, yeah, Julia. (laughs) Everyone knew who I was talking about. Um, It was starring her and. I know she was also in something else that was a little bit different than her like normal comedic roles this year. You hurt my feelings. You hurt my feelings. And so 
Um, Charming movie. I don't know if yeah, she's like still on that pathway of like doing these more serious roles. I haven't seen you. You hurt my feelings, but Tuesday was not really hitting for me. Um, there was I and it, mind you, like Telluride sets it up. Like I like going into movies blind in general, but like you really have to with Telluride because you don't know what's on the lineup until the day before you arrive. And with this one, I had no idea what it was about whatsoever. I just know that she was in it. And then there was this giant CGI bird that was like a prominent character in the entire movie. And it was just so awful. And that like the CGI bird was awful that like it made me dislike the movie. And then on top of that, the script was just pretty bad. So that's um that's a dislike. It's it's a no from me. It's maybe worth your time uh, if it, when you watch it on Netflix, but not like don't see that in theaters. Now, for my real dislike, that is a bit controversial amongst the the cinephiles would be Jonathan Glazer's new film Zone of Interest. Um, I immediately I'm like sitting there the whole time like what is the point of this movie I don't understand like and I don't remember no it wasn't this one I was gonna say I sat next to Chloe Zhao for like one of the movies and I thought it was this one but it wasn't I saw I sat next to her for all of the strangers and um but yeah she like she just wanted to flex Oh, yeah. Unrelated completely. So so unrelated. But I thought I was sitting next to her and I wasn't. And she also, because, like, was one of the, like, guest directors that helped, like, curate one of the, like, non-2023 movies that would be there. And so, yeah, I was sort of interested. It just wasn't giving anything at all. Um, I can't say. The, The score was, like, maybe good. But even then, I... It's like I'm like I don't know like it wasn't it wasn't chilling enough for me where like it it still was like reminiscent of like the score from All Quiet on the Western Front, mm. um, and so like if I'm comparing the, comparing it to something that already like has that like spotlight like it's not doing anything different and offering anything new. Like you said, yeah. we'll talk more about it next month. But I I have seen this movie. I'm going to refrain from discussing it until we talk about the other festivals. I'll just say Cortland and I have talked quite a bit about this movie this weekend. Um, yeah. Like kind of spiraling down the more we talk about it because like we get more specific about things. So we'll be back to discuss that. Let's just dive right into our top five. Kayvon, hit it. My number five was City of Wind, um, which is a Mongolian movie about this like, 17 year old kid who's like a pretty good student in his high school and stuff at the beginning. Um, and he's also a shaman and kind of just like how he balances that life at such like a young age and such like a like developmental age. Um, and it's not like a ton of stuff happens in the movie, but I think it's like, it was definitely pretty entertaining the entire time. I did not feel the runtime. Um, it's also it's he meets just, a girl spoiler like, that's the plot of the movie that's like the inciting incident yeah I know but I was just 
I was being as vague as possible. Yeah, he meets a girl. She pulls him away from the shaman lifestyle a little bit. Oh. Yeah, um, this is a, this is a good movie. That's like what it's part of, like the you know, like growing up, like first loves and stuff. So it's like a really entertaining movie, and there's something about it that's like I don't know. I felt like it was really calming. Basically, it was just like a really, I guess, unique way of like showing a coming of age story, which I enjoyed. I have two number fives. Um, that being the ones I've mentioned the most so far, uh, Saltburn and All of Us Strangers. I feel I felt the most weird after both of those movies. And not that I like I don't mind when movies make me feel weird. It was just more so um I wasn't I I'm still like kind of unclear on like how I I feel about the stories that they told. Um, for much different reasons. All of Us Strangers has like a little bit of a leg up on Saltburn in my like final thoughts. Yeah. Um, it was like really kind of messed up ultimately. I'm like, who thought of this? And it was, just, it, was it really hurt. Whereas like Saltburn, like you're like, oh, who thought of this? Like this is messed up. And um, one's just very like sad and the other is sort of like, you're not as emotionally attached. Yeah. I have not seen Saltburn. I've seen all of us strangers as well. We're going to discuss that. I think in further detail in the next episode, I'll just say, I like this movie a lot. Um, And I think part of that was, I I have this quasi Telluride experience of just not knowing anything about this movie besides who is in it. Um, And I think that that paid off for the better. So my number five is a Nigerian movie called I do not come to you by chance. And it is about a college graduate who cannot find a job and is dealing with family struggles. So decides to join his uncle in a um, cash abetting scene. Um, it's really good. It's really entertaining. Um, it's it's nice to see a story built up. And I think the concept is creative about not having options. So just like scamming other people. I also think the scamming sequences are really well done. Um, and the film like balances the seriousness of like trying to pull something like this off and like the consequences of who you are morally and like, what do you do to get by with just like a light refreshing humor that made it seem like a bank heist type situation when it is something completely different. Um, so I, I thought this was really good. I don't know if it has distribution or is coming anytime soon. Um, but I, I would say I took a lot of risks on my TIFF lineup because I tried to find smaller movies and the risk with that is just a lot of them ended up being fine. And I thought this was above fine. So Kayvon on to number four. Well, number four was Bastarden <laughs> in whatever language the country Dutch. that it's from. Dutch. Danish, 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 Danish. Um, it's, it's which doesn't called, translate to it's the English promised title. land in uh English. Um, new movie starring Mads <laughs> Mikkelsen. It is a new movie. Um, it's kind of I literally know nothing about like what was going on in that area of Europe back in the day. Um, so this was like a kind of cool story about this like retired like general or something um 
who was trying to like cultivate this nearly uncultivatable land like the king would literally like pay for like someone who successfully established a settlement there because the like the soil was just like worthless and the weather was terrible why are you laughing at me <laughs> i wasn't laughing at you i'm looking at Bitch, your camera's been shaking the entire time <laughs> i'm looking at kave's slowly increasingly smile at the cultivating the uncultivatable <laughs> land. No, I, I honestly I honestly respect it because it's a really hard movie to describe, but it flows really easily. So you know everything that's going on. But even the synopsis, when I was reading it, I was like, what the hell is this movie about? And then he's just trying to cultivate that land. And like he he's deals just, with problems. He's just a farmer boy at heart, you know? Yeah, he's like not the nicest person, but he builds a life for himself and fights the, what is it, the county judge? Or something. Yeah, that land is like literally lawless. Like, yeah, it is crazy. From like the jump, just like anything goes. And I don't know, maybe it's like my ignorance on the historical subject matter as a whole, but I just like everything I was not expecting to happen happened. Yeah. Um. So it was pretty entertaining. I feel like I had, it like the runtime flew by, and obviously, like, it was also just the most uncomfortable seats. So that says a lot for both of us to enjoy this movie. Yeah, there were also some like pretty brutal scenes in it. And the woman next to me would just like so audibly gasp every time anything remotely insane happened to the point where like it was a jump scare for me because I was like, is, is she good? Um, this yeah, does I remind me, like- I, for- I forgot to mention during um, I Do Not Come To You By Chance, two people next to me in the screening sat down flirted with each other got each other's numbers and talked the entire movie like a full conversation dang well i hope you're invited to the wedding love is not dead i know i was like this is a meet cute and then i was like okay we're like an hour in like how is this still happening yeah it's not um, cute anymore anyway promised land is good i can second this bastardin which bastardin. i think it used to be called the bastard and they changed the name to the promised land there was like four bastards in that movie. <laughs> this was one I missed at Telluride. Okay, it was at TIFF too, so it's kind of making the rounds. It's um, also at SIF. SIF. I would recommend see? checking it out. I think it's good. Mads Mikkelsen does a great job as usual. And it's okay. just like an entertaining kind of slow-ish burner. But not really that slow. Just yeah. kind of like farming, you, I guess. You just kind of get burned like right off the oh. bat. Okay. Anyway, Cortland, you're number four. My number four, uh, Rustin. Uh, I feel like this is one I didn't expect to really be like notable for me. Like I was like, oh, a biopic, or you know, just like a biographical like story being told of some point of history. And um, I also <laughs> <laughs> uh, you defining biopic. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to be impressed, but I low-key teared up um, at this this movie. I don't know, like, what it was. If it was just, like, feeling prideful for, like, (laughs) what they created um, and knowing, like, what it takes to organize something that, like, creates massive change is um, just really, like, powerful. I think they... And then highlighting, you know, someone's story that's often overlooked by, like, our 
everyday history books, especially in a time like right now uh, where we're experiencing like mass levels of censorship from our government um, about like black and brown stories and about queer stories. So um, I thought that it was so beautiful. Um, I was really moved. Great performances uh, across the board. And yeah, I I really like this one. And I, I think that was um, really uh, a feeling that everyone felt at, at Telluride. Did you? Yeah, this is coming to Netflix. Okay. I was going to say, did you see it at Toronto or no? I did not see it in Toronto. I think it was there. It's at um, New Fest, which is the LGBTQ plus festival in New York. Okay. But I think it comes out on Netflix like two days later. Okay. Um, I'm excited to see it though. I heard good things about it from you and from other people. Um, Kayvon, sidebar, but like you need to say oomph at some point in this podcast. So just figure out when to do it. He's been saying what? that so much lately. I just think it's there's, funny. There's been like, a lot of there... activity with oomphs. <laughs> <laughs> he like works this into sentences so randomly. Cortland, like Wait, like oomph as in like one of my followers? Yeah. I'll be like, how was your day? He's like, yeah, I got drinks with oomph. Sometimes I like you and then sometimes I don't like you. And this what is what am I supposed to say? I feel like that is like the most context providing shorthand of all time. Oomph? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Think about that for a second before you start to pass judgment. My okay. fourth movie is um, Les Indésirables, Indi- which is, um, I guess you can't really pronounce that like without doing the whole thing. It's weird that they're calling it this because the French translation is like, completely different it's batiment sank which is like building five um because it's set in a housing project it's Lajli's follow-up to les miserables which is from 2019 set in a parisian suburb and it is about the tensions that arise when a white rich white man is elected to be the mayor of a predominantly immigrant poc suburb of paris i i guess opinions were mixed about this when i looked it up on metacritic but I think everyone in the theater liked it quite a bit. I thought it was a good movie. It had like obviously good commentary and shows the way that um, systems mistreat people of color, especially in the French system, which just based on the way Paris is built is essentially like you have this ring that creates an us versus them dynamic. Um, and I think it's smart to explore that. And I, I don't know. I thought this was good. I think it's missing key elements. A lot of the plot just like, the pacing is too fast or just happens, um, which is always weird when like really, really like complete 180s happen in the middle of a movie. And then it's just like, we're rolling with this now. I felt that happened a couple times. And also the ending left a lot to be desired, but I thought this was pretty good. I I don't know if it beats the sophomore slump completely, but when you, when you have a debut, that's that razor sharp. Or, For all I, those- I don't semi-negative things you just said and it still made your top five yeah i also think i didn't like see genuinely amazing stuff but i thought this was pretty passable and also i i the critiques i've read of it i don't agree with and i thought that for all its flaws it is well done and i i don't know who's distributing it here i know it comes out in france in december but i would recommend i think 
I think you guys would like it. Have you seen Les Mis, Cortland? Not the like 2013 Anne Hathaway joint. No, I haven't seen like okay. any version. Okay. Is it so good? funny that that's the Anne Hathaway joint because doesn't she like die in the first 10 minutes? I Who else would you say? Russell Crowe, Hugh Jackman? I just wouldn't talk about that movie to be honest. Okay. Well, it's like, okay. <laughs> Kayvon, what's your number three? let's look my number three is humanist vampire seeking consenting suicidal person um what to say this is one of the black and whites uh no it was not another black and no, white it wasn't, and i keep thinking it was i don't know why <laughs> this is like the third time that we've been talking about this fully movie. in color yeah <laughs> it has a black and white vibe i can't explain it it's a vampire movie, and the other vampire, vampire movie you saw was in black and white. So I'm not getting them confused. I just, for some reason, remember this movie being in black and white. <laughs> um, this was one of our like. This was one of the final movies Kaveh and I saw on like the second day or the first day, and at least in my opinion, it was after kind of a handful of shitty ones. That is true. So, this was like a really refreshing way to to end the night it's like kind of a really random movie i think it's in like quebec um it is in quebec so, so if you can deal with quebecois then you're good um, it's a little hard <laughs> to listen cleared to. it's a little hard to listen to sometimes um but it's just like a really like it's not light-hearted but it just has like some like light-hearted humor i thought like 85 percent of the jokes hit like i was chuckling i, agree. I think we're the I okay. Venice is also not the crowd for comedies. No, but it seems like we were way more into it than like yeah, the we people were. around us. And it's like a really it. good movie. Like it's it goes by quick and it's like entertaining through and through. And it's just like the most random topic of all time. I think I told you this, Kayvon, but it like went on to play Tiff, and I think that crowd would have been really fun because like I think the humor would have sunk a little better because the humor is like. It's really deadpan, which we both tend to like quite a yeah. bit. Um, and we just rewatched Theater Camp and Time of My Life. Like, what a film. What a picture. Um, it's, so, it's so good. I um, I know a lot of people had texted me recently because they watched it now that it's on streaming. And they're like, I should have seen it in theaters. And I'm like, yeah, you should have. And um, yeah, I'm, why'd you rewatch it? Like, just for fun. Well, we were eating and we saw it on Hulu and Caitlin was like, should I? I was like, yeah. And then we both, I think as we a, both. As a joke, mine. Yeah, it was as a joke. <laughs> and then we just ended up watching the entire thing. To swing things back though, Humanist Vampire is good. Um, it's kind of a tough subject to navigate. Like there's a lot of ways for it to fall in the wrong direction. If you direction. want to know what it's about, read the, the title. The title really gives everything away, yeah. Um and it is like a, it is kind of a one bit movie like that is it's one joke like it's a major joke but i think it does it really well um and also just the leads are really likable so yeah i found like almost all of the characters really likable which i feel like doesn't happen a lot in movies that much but it's just like i don't know there's something about it not that it's like a comforting movie but it just seems like something that's just like i could watch it again i think yeah agreed Cortland, number three. My number three is La Chimera. Um, 
I did not expect to like this movie as much as I did. And I borderline debated skipping it because it was like the fourth or fifth day of the festival. And my eyes were so bloodshot from being exhausted. Um, And I was like, no, I don't. I'm going to maybe sleep in. Haha. But no, I woke up and I went and it was so freaking good. Um, It's by Alice. I'm Roar Walker. The last name. There we go. Um, is it in English? It's Josh O'Connor's in it, right? Josh O'Connor's in it, and he's speaking Italian. Um, oh, that's and so, Yeah, and so he's like all you know, cutie speaking Italian. There's like a little, uh, a little English like mixed in, but um, I was saying to someone like as a professor of art history. I loved this film. I feel like it's so relevant to a lot of the topics that I try to tell my students about in the sense of like, how do we obtain like history without like dishonoring or stealing or, you know, any of those things like, like, how do we, how do we obtain that without like taking evidence of our past? And um, I think this movie addresses like all of those like ethical types of issues on top of also having like a small like love story. some like quote unquote coming of age themes uh, dealing with like themes of like, you know, personal traumas and, and so on. It has that like small town Italian vibe. So it's kind of like why everyone was so charmed by call me by your name. Like this has that same type of charm. Um, okay. like Italian, Italian summer. And um, yeah, beautifully shot. Good, good story. And um yeah, I, I really look forward to like watching it again. I, I might try to catch it here in Chicago. I'm really I'm really excited for this one. For those in New York, it is playing at New York Film Festival. Yeah. Sold out really fast. Like I, everything did. But like Lucky yeah. Mara in particular, I was like, damn, it's yeah. already gone. Um My third movie I, is a Canadian movie called Seagrass. Um I try to catch Canadian movies just because they really just don't get distribution in the US. It is about a fractured family, um, two daughters, and then a mom and a dad who just don't love each other anymore. I, It's hard to navigate a story like that, especially when it's like fighting and make it work. I always think of Malcolm and Maria as like the anti-fighting movie just because like that movie's all fighting and it like shows why it's really hard to write fights in movies because it can come off like that, like very staged and... Um, like just very unsettling. And I think this doesn't escape that feeling that sometimes the fights feel like really unrealistic. Um, but it is just like a devastating movie. Um, it kind of reminded me of after sun cause they're on a vacation. They're at a couple's retreat resort where the kids like all group together and play at the pool and the parents like do activities. The wife is really into it and the husband is not. And I, I, I thought it was really good. I thought all the performances were really good. Um, that's all I really have to say on this one. Cortland, I think you'd like it. Cave on, maybe. I there's like interesting cave action going on where like there's like a haunted cave. Um, and I love when they throw like random plot devices like that into movies where it doesn't seem like it belongs. Um, because it usually does. So this is this is a good one. Cave, it's making me think of that beach movie, the old beach. Aquamarine. <laughs> no, the. <laughs> Where they turn old. Oh, yeah. 
Old. <laughs> Not Aquamarine. <laughs> Aquamarine just at H two O. Who's next? Kayvon. Number two. We're gonna run through the number twos. Then I'm gonna do my number one, and then you guys have the same number one. So we'll end with that. But until then, Kayvon, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is Tatami. Um, I love this movie. I was like super gripped the entire time despite being in the second row um so my head was like of like a 63 row like theater for reference too my head was just like up the entire time like i looked like i was being like exercised or something except whatever the exorcist comma believer or colon believer yeah i look like one of those girls um <laughs> But yeah, it's a super entertaining movie set at like the world like judo, like judo championships. Um, and it's about like this. Uh, fight, are they fighters? I don't. Whatever. Like one of the Iranian women athletes um, is like playing really inspired, and then basically it's like a thriller. It's like how the the Islamic Republic like kind of manipulates all of their like activity not only in iran but outside the world too so she's like predicted but like not even insured to fight against an israeli fighter it's like Um, round one where this prediction yeah and they're like well that could happen in five rounds so we're gonna have to cut it right here so basically it's like it's hard to explain almost no you're doing great Keep going. Thank you. Thank you. That's the confidence I needed to finish this off. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically it's like her coach is getting calls from like the Iranian like embassy and stuff. And literally like the government, like the mullahs are telling her to like fake an injury and pull out of the tournament, which is what happened to the coach back when she was a fighter. So it's kind of just like a really tense situation. And like, obviously they have like, they have like Iranians there that are working for the Republic, like in the crowd. And like literally, I don't know if I'm gassing it, but like it is one of the more tense movies I've seen in a really long time to like the point where I was like actively sweating. I don't know if it's like also my obvious, like, I don't know, like I tend to shift no, towards no, like Iranian is, stories. It is tense. Especially in these days where like the world is finally realizing how terrible the islamic republic is especially towards women um even when they're not on iranian soil i think it kind of just like is very eye-opening into the like countless ways they manipulate everything um but i thought it was really well made i can't remember the director's name but uh, zar amir ebrahimi and guy nativ it's an iranian israeli co-production i believe for the first time um, yeah, this is a really um, tense movie. It also is like a one setting movie for the most part, and the pacing doesn't slow down at any point in the movie. So you're just yeah, following these crazy. characters around one arena. It's very claustrophobic. Um, yeah, this is a really good movie. It also was such a long standing ovation, um, and Kayvon stayed for it. So <laughs> that shows how Obviously, much he liked this movie. <laughs> I'm going to support Iranians when they're out there like that. It was cool to see her. I loved her in Holy Spider. So I was, really ex- I was really excited that she was there. Um, and also I felt like if 
it was one of the only films or one of the few films I saw at Venice that got like the ovation it deserved. Like I was really genuinely happy to see that it was that well received. Mm-hmm. Cortland. My number two, Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, we haven't discussed this. No, we haven't. Yeah. It was crazy. We'll I, uh, talk about it. This is another thing we'll talk about more in October. Kayvon has not seen it. Okay. This is a good uh, movie. I'll keep it brief, but I know a lot of people's immediate comparisons were to like 12 Angry Men. Um, I haven't read or seen The Trial, but now that we've been talking about The Trial, is it fair to compare it to that at all? I don't think so. Okay, then no. Um, but yeah, so Kayvon I mean, would know. Kayvon, trial, Kayvon just read The Trial. Okay, I just I bought it. I did not see the I, movie though. <laughs> I but just, you know what it's about. We're gonna watch. I the actually movie like after I read the book. As a group. basically Anatomy of a Fall, there's okay. a thing. <laughs> like, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. So. No. Yeah, that's the extent of my knowledge on the movie. That's yeah. probably better to not know that much. This one definitely had you like trying to figure it out along with like everyone else. Um, I also think there's that like I I really appreciate like enough like when any movie has. Um, multiple languages within it because I and think and this does it so well. This is my favorite part so of the movie. Well. Yeah, yeah, same like same here. And besides the boy, the boy is um probably my first like favorite part of the movie. And so I think they they do that so well here in um showing like miscommunication, misunderstanding, like different interpretations of how something happens, like how ultimately like your brain is wired. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well, I thought. This was really, really well done. We're going to circle back. We're definitely going to talk about the language. It was surreal seeing this where the English was the thing that was subtitled and not the French, um, which I like. I think completely shifts the experience. So I want to see it again. Um, it's coming your way in October. It comes out October 13th, so it's not very far away. My number two movie is a movie I think both of you would hate. Um, it is called... <laughs> God, you trailer- want to be different so bad. yeah. Um, it's actually three movies too. They were all shorts and I usually don't go to like shorts programs, but this one was Chantal Ackerman's like first look behind the camera, Pedro Costa's new movie called the daughters of fire and Jean-Luc Godard's last movie trailer for a film that will never exist. Phony wars. It's not for everyone. Um, it needs, I, I think it benefits from being seen in a theater. I think Godard for all of, obviously rest in peace but for all of his flaws like his career really did traject and just pivot into more abstract con- more abstract concepts as it went along especially in the later stages of his life if anyone's seen the later godard movies they're like driven by this general feeling of like what is going on and just like words and images colliding and i think this is like a really good example of that it was meant to be a full movie before he died last year and they've since um, I think several. He died last year, last September. It's like really just a year sure. ago. Yeah. Um, so this is really fragmentary, and I think that's it makes it interesting and like kind of the only way that they could really cap off what has been a very prolific career that did change cinema, um, and like started movement. So I really like this. The Daughter of Daughters of Fire, which is also showing at a lot of festivals, mainly as like a preceding movie for 
other things. Cortland, I was looking at the SIF lineup and I saw that it's there as well, playing in front of another movie. Um, really? I'm just not sure which movie. Yeah, because it's only 10 minutes. Um, and at New York, they're showing like the Wong Bing, Godard, and Daughters of Fire together. That that was great. I really liked it. Um, I don't want to say too much about it. It's experimental, but it has a lot to do with music. Uh, and then my number one movie was like far and away my favorite thing at tiff it's hirokazu koreeda's monster which is i i was really excited about this and i was really worried because i did not like broker i i thought the truth was good but it had not liking broker is pretty common kayvon is what i'll say well all the haters can fuck off including you and I was worried that monster was, I, I just don't know. I was like, maybe this isn't going to be as good as some of his older stuff. Cause he's made some of my favorite movies of all time. This is a very interesting movie and it starts as something completely different than what it ends up becoming. Basic premise, which like doesn't do it justice is a young, like I would say 11 year old boy accuses his teacher of abuse and the story is refracted through <laughs> real-time reaction from Cortland. Uh, <laughs> the story is refracted through the boy's mother's perspective, the teacher's perspective, and then the boy's perspective. And the story resets itself, reshapes itself, and just expands on itself each time. And I would say the last half of this movie is perfect. Like I, I, I need to see it again, but like, I did not have that many notes. Um, rough time for the bladder. I did have to pee in the opening act. So I'm glad I made it for the last half of the movie um, because it really does change what you think the movie is about. Cortland, you're seeing this in a month. So we'll revisit it it's because less than I, a month. I'm just going to say, I think it will be interesting to compare it with something that you saw at Tell You Red last year. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious, being that I'm not super familiar with, like, Coriata's filmography or whatever, um, outside of Broker and one other one. The Shoplifters? Um, yeah, I think Shoplifters. Maybe, I don't know, it might be a different one. But I know that's, like, one of his most popular. I think you would really like his movies. I would and, recommend diving um, in. Which is crazy, because, like, being that Broker is, like, your least favorite of them. And, like, that's, like, my definite like first experience with it um yeah i'm really really excited to see it next month and i'm going to be seeing it right after i see the boy and the heron so that's such a crazy double feature Shout yeah, out to Japan. yeah. <laughs> so all right guys now is the t- well Cortland, why don't you do a quick pivot and discuss a movie that we both love and i'm glad that you finally saw it oh i loved it so much it was so good i was cheesing the whole time immediately like i was just thrilled to be seeing that movie and everyone i'm kind you need to reveal the title okay you're right (laughs) (laughs) i saw all that jazz and i saw it in telluride introduced by ethan hawk on 35 millimeter it's the dream the dream and it was you know it was a perfect screening um everyone was like really chill before like usual like telluride vibes of you're chatting with whoever's in line with you 
Um, I was really worried that I wasn't going to be able to get in because it was at a different theater than like what I have my pass for. But luck was on my side per usual and got in. Like, <laughs> Crazy <on>. jinx. Okay. <laughs> Knock on some damn wood, yeah. bro. <laughs> and, um, it was so, so, so good. Immediately I looked up the soundtrack like on Spotify afterwards. It's not available and so I'm I'm really upset by that. Probably- <laughs> have you dove into the all that jazz YouTube sinkhole? Because I've certainly yeah. You have to. They have the final scene on there, um, I which I used to I watch like religiously. Go buy it on DVD. You didn't. I did. I literally you have like, to. There's I no other way to watch the movie. You used it. to be able to watch it on Delta, but they got rid of that. Yeah, so I went and got it on DVD, and it's like the sing along version. What? So, <laughs> Yeah, I'm thrilled. Can't wait to rewatch. Um, so yeah, building out erotica with them is so <laughs> crazy. But yeah, this has been one of Kaveh's like top four films since I've known him, and and so I finally got to see it, and it, it just makes so much sense. And I don't know if I've I've said this on the pod before, but my guilty pleasure is it just it must be movie musicals. Um, yeah. I. In my head, I don't think I like musicals, but then I am obsessed with them every single time I watch one. So, did you see Olivia Rodrigo's favorite movie is La La Land? Is it really? I don't know if it's her favorite, but she's like, this movie's it's gonna like outlive us all. Thing of all time. They're gonna be showing La La Land here at Doc Films at U Chicago like next weekend. I don't know if I can go, but I'm gonna try. So, oh my god, Doc Films, watch out. <laughs> Yeah, Doc Films watch. Or it might be at your screening. For a fan, maybe there. Um, let's let's talk about our, guys, number, our number one. one. I, this is a movie I really liked as well. Which one was of it, you wants to was talk it about? Was it your number one Venice? Was as it well? your number one? It was my number one Venice. Oh, wow. yeah. The girls are in sync. <laughs> <laughs> Who um, wants to say what it is? Everybody say a letter. Wait, Who should we all know? say it on three? You said it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Okay, what it's, poor things. Things. <laughs> it's poor things. It's poor things. The Yorgos um, most movie starring Emma Stone, Willem Dafoe, Rami Youssef, Christopher that. Abbott. There has to be someone else that I'm forgetting. The Mark dude Ruffalo. From, uh, the dude from On the Count of Three, Jared Carmichael. Jared Carmichael. Yes, I was shook when I saw him. I meant I okay, love so him. Quickly yeah, back to his own of interest. Yorgos Lanthimos <laughs> was the one who I was sitting close to near like that movie, and I talked to him afterwards, and he really liked it. And I don't know, it's it wasn't. She just wanted to flex again. I know of it's course. crazy. Nice because he was there. Any it's other so famous cool. people you were sitting next to at Telluride? Well, Willem Dafoe and I made really I uncomfortable eye contact. So speaking of poor things, guys, if you need to go to the bathroom. Hold it before the end of the movie if Willem Dafoe's in the theater, is all I'll say. I wasn't like verbally reprimanded. I was just very uncomfortable. <laughs> we made direct eye contact and he seemed very mad. That would be crazy if he verbally reprimanded you. <laughs> How dare I you pee? Where I the fuck do you think you're going? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Poor Things is really good. It is I, so good. Yeah. I literally, I don't like Mark Ruffalo that much, like whatsoever. <laughs> and I am... I am blown away. I swear he will get nominated for this. Like, he was so funny. And, like, he's not even the star of the show. Emma Stone just is 
fully Emma Stone again, I think. Does anyone have a synopsis of this movie? Basically, like, Willem Dafoe's character is this, like, experimental doctor and, like, kind of, like, a dystopian, like, past time. Um, And he basically, like, Frankensteins some gal. Um, And the process of is just, or, like, the movie is just, like, the process of her developing from like having the mind of a child to like becoming like a fully developed woman i guess is like it sounds creepy but that's literally what it was no yeah it's a very accurate synopsis um and this like happens by her like exploring the world and i don't know just like the setting that he creates like obviously yorgos's mind needs to be sent to science because the shit that he comes up with is just insane but like I don't know. I thought like the setting of the movie was so fun to me. Like seeing like cities that you've been to just like reimagined like that is just like I don't know. It was such a cool experience and like seeing her experience them for like the first time. She gave like one of the best performances I've seen in a long time, I think. Just because like Yeah. I like genuinely felt her sense of wonder like as I was like living vicariously through her. Um, yeah. Not for the whole movie, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, Christopher Abbott like showing up was really fun. So like, funny. like Margaret with twenty Qual- minutes Qualley. left. Yeah. Oh, I forgot Margaret Qualley's in Yeah, this. Margaret Qualley. Like, guys, yeah. you know she got married to Jack Antonoff. Yeah. That's crazy. We need to discuss the Joe Jonas Sophie Turner thing, but that'll have to be in the October edition. Yeah. There's just not enough time to get into it now, but it's just a reminder. Guys, you know what's coming next. So, um, yeah, this is a really good movie. I, I'm i not even a huge Lanthimos fan, and I was wooed by this. I had an unfortunate, again, bladder experience and had to go pee like 20 minutes in and was relocated from like row 35 to row 2 because this was so full. Um, yeah, I mean, and I enjoyed it in spite of that. And Kayvon was complaining about that theater. This one was like triple the size. So... Wow. No, yeah. I loved it. And like like Kate, I was saying, like the set design was crazy. I was just so like visually entranced by the whole thing on top of really enjoying like Bella Baxter becoming a human <laughs> and and everything. So yeah. yeah. I really hope this gets like best picture nod for sure. This is coming out in December, I believe December eighth. It is playing Courtland, is it playing Chicago? playing new york it's not in chicago okay um so it is headed your way soon interesting to think that this would have already came out without the strikes because uh, this was supposed to come out september 8th which would have been fascinating for a movie this hype to come out that early because that yeah. usually doesn't happen yeah it's interesting i mean also, we also would have had challengers back, going back to our trailer discussion this was like one of my favorite trailers that i had seen in a long time too just the way that it was set up and then, like, Kaveh told me, like, a week before we were seeing it that he hadn't seen the trailer. Yeah, I hadn't. So now I'm wondering if you've seen the trailer after the movie. I still haven't seen it. Kayvon, one thing about me is I won't see a trailer until I'm sitting at my local AMC. Hashtag Kips Bay. You always literally show up exactly on time to miss all the trailers. I uh, know. I show up to miss, like, everything but the last two. That's how I saw the Napoleon trailer was I went to Dumb Money, which have either of you seen Dumb mm-hmm. Money? No. Okay. October, we'll discuss. 
Yeah. Um, and I caught the Napoleon trailer there, and I was like, "Oh, this looks fun." Weird that that movie's not playing any festivals. Do you think? It, do we think it's gonna be good? Well, like, uh, not fun, but like, love Ridley. Glad that he's still making movies at the drop of a hat. But yeah, that's how I catch my trailer. So once poor things hits, I did see the Eras tour trailer last night, which was interesting. I think AMC took the no method comment. of just showing. I think they googled music. And just showed all the trailers related because I was like, who seeing the Talking Heads concert movie is going to go see Trolls 3? Was there a trailer for Dick's the Musical? There was not a trailer for Dick's the Musical. Which comes, which is coming out soon. I've heard mixed things. It looks terrible. Yeah. Well, apparently Megan Thee Stallion is show-stopping. Well, so. she's always show-stopping. <laughs> true. It's true. Let's run through some honorable mentions, starting with Kayvon. Let me just like quick one. blurbs. Um, my honorable mention is just one of them because I didn't know we could have multiple, but I don't know if I would have multiple. Um, but it was Oceans Are the Real Continents, um, which is like, I guess, a literal like embodiment of a slow burner because like kind of nothing happens the entire time and like all the scenes are as drawn out as possible but you like can't you can't like really look away yeah um shot in black and white right yes cinematography is amazing it looks really great there's a lot of great performances and uh it was cool to have the cast there it got yeah. an ovation i thought it was well deserved as well this is uh, a really good movie this is my second favorite movie i saw in venice like i was blown away by this and i hope it comes out sometime soon also cuban cinema we don't really get very often at least to see um and it was nice to see i'm also kind of a slut for like dissecting uh or like intersecting dissecting intersecting like storylines yeah which this like had like to its most minimal extent but like still but not in a way where it's like they're trying and what should have been the last shot of the film, such a like great setup. But yeah. Yeah. That's a really good movie. Cortland, you have two. I do have two. My first being the bike riders, the new Jeff Nichols. Is that his name? The new Jeff Nichols movie. Um everyone like uh, they had seen before me at the festival was like, and they'd find out I'm from Chicago and they're like, you're going to love this movie. It's so Chicago. This movie is very suburban and I don't mean that in like a negative way, but I'm is it just, giving like what, what suburb of Chicago, like Naperville, like Elmwood park. Like, no, like not like, not like bougie, like suburban, like very like maybe like a South suburb or like Elmwood park okay. is like a suburb. So like um, port. <laughs> Like, <laughs> like, yeah, like blue collary suburban Chicago vibes. Wait, that's funny that um, people said that because I watched the trailer, and yeah. I, that doesn't seem like like a Chicago Chicago movie at all. No, it really wasn't. And that, on top of the accents that they are using, I'm like, did you guys go to Chicago at all for this movie? Like. They sound like they're from North Dakota. It's crazy. <laughs> Jesus, like, oh, over there, you know. And I'm like, sound Canadian. Like, what? He's like, damn. That is like, Canadian, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> literally. I'm like, Cortland. As I told you, I went to Chicago this weekend. AKA, I got pot belly. We should discuss pot belly. 
Do you not like it? You got Potbelly without me? Sorry, Kayvon. You got I was literally (laughs) sitting here the entire weekend. How was I supposed to know? You just should have supposed to know. You just should have known. Yeah. Um so the Do you not like Potbelly though? I do like Potbelly. Okay, just making sure. I don't know. I think I like Jersey Mike's more. Um, that's yeah. That's, I mean, Jersey Mike's is about Wait, speaking of Elmwood Park and speaking of sub sandwiches, if you are listening to this and you're from Chicago and you want to have like a bike sub rider sandwiches, sub sandwich, God, what? Just subs like what? <laughs> what the There's fuck different types of sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, and you're talking about the sub. Just say subs. <laughs> no. Let me finish. She's doing a come on Dante reference. Because you sound so stupid. Yeah, I actually thought you were talking about submarines, so maybe. (laughs) Anyway. Girl, not maybe. uh, I'm just so irritated. Where should we get subs from? You're not coming back on the podcast. That is this is the last time. So if you're in if you're in Chicago and you're listening to this, go out to Alpine if you want to have a very good in which experience <laughs> and feel like you're on the bike riders but do you think it's called jersey mike sub sandwiches what's the name of the sub spot <laughs> i said alpine oh yeah gosh you guys on north avenue anyway what kind of sub did you get <laughs> are you serious right now yeah yeah i want to know that sounded really aggressive but yeah we are serious it's good to it's know like these a, things a turkey a turkey Classic. sandwich I'm going to keep saying it like that. Oh, you got a turkey sub? <laughs> okay. Second honorable mention is fingernails, which is uh, – I don't. I just kind of tossed it on there because I wanted to bring it up. <laughs> um, I've heard really mixed things about this. Yeah, I would say I didn't – like the ending really fell off, which is unfortunate, but the concept of it – like – I really liked the the overall the overarching idea to the plot. I just I don't think it like the the resolution and anything was well written, but I'm again, I've never seen anything like it. A little Jeremy Allen White action like uh Rit, is it Riz Ahmed? Yeah. I'm I always can like I always flip-flop his name. Um love him, so he was also phenomenal. And really quickly, I didn't write this one down. My other one that I would love to mention is Daddio, just because I don't hear anyone talking about it. I don't see it at any other festival. It was at TIFF. It was at TIFF. Did you yeah. see it? I did not. I saw Sean Penn and I was like, I can't take a risk. No, it was like, I was kind of impressed. I was impressed by Sean Penn. Um, okay. Well, he's he's made a lot of bad. I don't know if it's him or his agent, but lately, like he's like one for sixty or something. Or his publicist. I need to get him out from behind a camera. The way um, he came on to that project is also like really interesting because um, basically it was a play, and it, I, you know, when you see the the movie, it totally you're like this obviously makes more sense as a play. Mm. Um, and then they turned into a screenplay. Uh, Dakota Johnson came on the project with her, like, you know, production. Say no more, I'm in. Exactly, exactly. And then they had asked, like, oh, how did you get Sean Penn to do this project? And, and you know, 
him and Dakota Johnson are our neighbors. So that's how it happened. And he actually did really, really well with it. Um, he plays that like grungy cabbie pretty well. So. All right. a massive Ukraine flag outside of his house. I have three honorable mentions. Um, I did want to mention a movie from Venice that is not good. It's called Finally Dawn. I only mentioning this because I think it was the two most shocking movies of the fest. It was two most shocking film moments of the festival. One was Rachel Sennett. <laughs> was not expecting to see her in that movie. She um, <laughs> has a really interesting line that K-pop repeats all the time now. Um, also, this I don't know if this is a spoiler, but this movie, it's which is line, like, I literally forgot it. Like something about death. Do you remember? Uh, she's like. I'm not afraid to die. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's like no context. Like that's the entire scene. Well, the, the reason both of these things are funny is because it's like set in 1950s Italy or something. Like it's like a period piece. Um, the second thing is like at the end of the movie, last night by the strokes just starts playing. And that's, that's the credit song. Um, and it comes out of nowhere, but the third anyway. thing, Willem F- Dafoe just speaking Italian oh, the Defoe's entire movie. Yeah, he's speaking Italian the entire movie. Um, Lily James is in it and she's not. Yeah. So that is a movie. Um, not an honorable mention, just a mention. My three honorable mentions are from Chi- are from Tiff. Um, one of them is called Hajan, which is Egyptian, Saudi Arabian. It's, I think, four countries produced it. It is set in the world of Bedouin camel racing and is so entertaining. Um, it's basically about, it's a coming of age story about, I'd say like a 15 year old kid who enters the world of camel racing after his brother is killed on the track. It is like your very sports, like kind of like horse racing type movie. I just thought it was very entertaining. Um, also saw it with my grandma and she was into it. She was crying. Um, <laughs> the second movie, um, I don't know if this movie's great, I always am intrigued when I walk out of a movie that I thought was interesting. And the first thing I hear is someone being like, this was the worst movie I've ever seen. It's called Your Mother's Son. It's a Filipino movie. And it is like really just crazy. That's the only way to say it's about like a mother and her son who have a very, very close relationship. And then her his mother invites a third person of his age into their household and chaos ensues. This is like a really intense movie. It's a really good movie to see with the crowd because you can witness the reactions in real time. It's apparently a political allegory. I did not stay for the Q and a, so I don't know why. Um, but I, I thought it was really entertaining and it took like a lot of risks. If it's great, I don't know, but like you go to these things to see like crazy things happen sometimes. The third movie is Finn Wolfhard made a movie called Hell of a Summer. It is a slasher comedy. This is the other Midnight Madness movie I saw. I don't know if this movie's good. I I will say the the humor did hit and I don't think I was expecting it to be my brand of humor, but it was it plays all the beats of any slasher movie. So like there's nothing new here. There's a very funny joke about a peanut allergy, which I think we would all relate to. Um, I definitely felt it. And there is like one joke that is so funny 
that I still think about if I just need to laugh on cue. So maybe that was why I liked it. Sometimes all you need is one joke. Um, Girl, what's the joke? You wouldn't get it unless you see the movie. Um, Yeah. It was a very fun movie to see with the crowd. The cast was there and I was sitting on the balcony. So only reason I know that is because every time a new character would appear on screen, they would all cheer. So those are my honorable mentions. It was like an iffy tiff, but like fun nonetheless. Yeah, it doesn't seem mm-hmm. like... Iffy tiff. Iffy tiffy. I mean, Kayvon, it's like when you go to the sub sandwich shop, you can never guarantee it's going to be a good sub sandwich. I've actually never had a sub sandwich before. I've had a sub. <laughs> or a sandwich. Or a sandwich. Yeah, anyway, no. It the name was... of this podcast is now Kaveh's Screening Room. Um, well, if we're going back to just me, it's Bye, obviously going to be Kaveh J screening room for continuity. I'm sorry. When you get like a panini, do you, are you like, can I have a panini sandwich? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question. I, I, okay. No, I do understand in the context of like randomly discussing a sub place to classify yes. it as a sub sandwich. Just, yeah. The defensiveness was really funny. I didn't think it was a submarine shop. Like, can we be <laughs> a little fucking serious? <laughs> the people don't know okay the people on there if you have opinions on whether it's called a sub or a sub sandwich please you know where to find us i'm at kave jelinas on twitter and instagram kavejelinas.com Cortland is at cool kid court i believe Cortland, correct me if i'm wrong also subscribe idiot instagram so what i know follow us no follow. follow. And now we have to hear this on air. That's crazy. <laughs> it's for um, myself. Such a bombshell. So she made it for herself, but she's promoting it here. Just saying. Um, if you want a link to the art idiot, go to kavejoinas.com because I do attach it to the podcast descriptions. Um, yeah, Cortland, we're ready for the new edition whenever, whenever she's coming. Yeah, it's fine. It's just in my notes app. <laughs> oh. Are you going to like- notes app? airdrop it to us yeah maybe i don't know you guys i've been nervous i feel like i have nothing of value to say to anyone anymore. crazy as we conclude what was an hour and 50 minutes of i don't really think i added anything valuable in the hour and 15 um, minutes well, except the sub big sand- sub sandwich debate has kicked off now because of you <laughs> Kayvon, no debate she's wrong did you change your username again yeah. yes what is it you say yeah like that because <laughs> say your username comb cowboy <laughs> <laughs> that is why i said yeah like that it's not spelled like that so no, it's <laughs> can you imagine? obviously a reference to comb the garçon which you would know nothing about tripless bitch <laughs> <laughs> wow okay i'm cutting this off <laughs> Any last thoughts? No, her grandma, her grandma needs to hear this. <laughs> I love you, Nana, in case you listen, and I apologize. For Guys, no point. one is making it to an hour and 47 minutes. I feel like we have to be on the like less delinquent end of your friends in general. Okay, any last thoughts on Venice, Tiff, Like the Tell least delinquent ride. people of all time. I had fun. All right, thank you, guys. <laughs> All right, thank you guys so much too. for the last That's episode fun. of Kave and Cortland's screening room to ever air. Kave's screening room. <laughs> sure.
Don't say her name on air, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm incognito, okay? <laughs> um, it was a pleasure as always, guys. Kayvon, we'll see you in like five episodes at least. We're going to take a little break. Um, <laughs> That's fine. I have shit to do. Okay. See you next time. Bye, everyone. Peace <laughs> out. Listen to you next time. I don't know. Bye.